Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales. Si, senor. Sarah Tafoya. Hey, that's my mom. And Glenn Leverins. Bringing the light of Christ to start your day. This is Morning Air. On Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. It's Tuesday, January 30th, 2024. Good morning, and welcome back to our number two of Morning Air. I'm John Morales, along with Glenn Leverins and studio producer Sarah Tafoya. Thanks so much for making us a part of your morning, wherever you may be across America and beyond here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. Now, can you believe that Lent starts in just two weeks from tomorrow, and this year Ash Wednesday actually falls on Valentine's Day? Uh, do you want a transformative Lent for you and your family? Watch Father Rocky's Lenten Lessons on the Mass for bite-sized glimpses into every prayer and word from the sign of the cross to the final blessing. Get these free video lessons every day of Lent from Ash Wednesday to Holy Saturday straight to your inbox, sponsored in part by the National Center for Padre Pio. You can transform your 40 days with 40 lessons with Father Rocky's weekly Eucharistic encounters at relevantradio.com slash Lent. That's relevantradio.com slash Lent. Our email if you want to reach us directly with whatever might be on your mind, any thoughts or story ideas you want to uh, share with us, it's air at relevantradio.com. I want to bring in Glenn and Sarah once again. Glenn, what are a few of the stories making headlines uh, here this hour on this Tuesday morning? Hey, John, we're learning more about that attack, uh, that drone attack in Jordan from uh, Iranian-backed uh, militias against U.S. troops. Three service members killed, uh, some 25 to 30 injured as well. Eight severely had to be medevaced out of that area. The names of those who gave their lives for the country, they were all Army reservists from Georgia. Uh, William Rivers was 46, Kennedy Sanders, 24, and Brianna Moffat, 23, very young giving their lives learning. The uh, drone attack happened at a time when a U.S. drone was returning to that base and some confusion over the Iranian drone, whether that was uh, friendly or foe that uh, came in. The U.S. response remains to be seen, but it appears there will be one of some sort, some calling for attacks inside Iran. Uh, Meanwhile, the U.S. government has tried to not uh, too rapidly escalate uh, what's going on in the Middle East right now with fighting all the way from the southern Red Sea up into Iraq as it is. And obviously, uh, the, the response has to be very carefully uh, planned because uh, the U.S. and its bases has been hit over 160 uh, times since October. So um, they've got to figure out what is the, the right thing to do. Yeah, the administration trying to walk that fine line between deterrence and uh, not ramping things up too much. Exactly. Uh, Meanwhile, House Republicans are moving forward with uh, efforts to impeach uh, DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas over the way that he has handled uh, the border. What's the latest uh, this morning? Well, today they're drawing up articles of impeachment and uh, they're accusing him of willful and systemic refusal to comply with the law for the uh, lack of help on the southern border, John. And uh, from the other side of the aisle, from the Democratic perspective, um, they don't think there's anything there. They they think it's totally political. Yeah, as you might expect, a Democratic leader in the House, Hakeem Jeffries, calling it a politically motivated sham. 
Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, President Joe Biden himself uh, has been making some uh, strong claims over the past few days about shutting down uh, the U.S.-Mexico border uh, as he uh, tries to salvage a deal in Congress that would also unlock money for Ukraine. Um, listen to Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, uh, who posted his take on the border deal on X, formerly Twitter. This border deal is a farce. Joe Biden already has the authority to shut the border down. He could declare it a national emergency. He could stop the invasion cold if he wanted to. He does not want to. He wants to let people in. This so-called deal uh, purports to give him tools so that he could actually close the border. The reality is, is it's green lighting up to 5,000 illegals every single day. That's 1.8 million plus uh, over the course of a year, which they're codifying into law as saying that's an appropriate number of illegal entries. I think the appropriate number of illegal entries is zero, and our policy should reflect that. Obviously, uh, a very uh, controversial issue, Glenn. Yeah, a very tough problem. Uh, a lot of lives uh, hang in the balance there, and the idea to uh, help those who need help at the same time to to weed out bad guys that might be uh, trying to undermine the U.S. government. Yeah, and they've uh, they have caught uh, hundreds of, of of bad guys of guys that are actually on the terror list uh, in uh, just uh, in the last year alone and. Uh, uh, obviously, uh, the concern about all the drugs and the fentanyl that's coming over the border, over 100,000 Americans ha- have died uh, from uh, fentanyl alone. Uh, that is in and of itself a, a reason why this is, is so important to, to try to figure out. Also, there's a group of uh, truckers and others with a convoy uh, expected to get underway from Virginia next week, uh, make a swing down through Jacksonville, Florida, and head over to Texas and then a part of Arizona and California as well calling themselves God's Army. They're uh, going to help protect the border, they say, a group of civilians. So we'll see uh, how big a deal that turns out to be as well. Uh, meanwhile, the, the Supreme Court is set uh, for the much-anticipated uh, abortion pill case. Uh, what's the latest, Glenn? Well, abortion pills make up uh, well over half of all abortions in the U.S. now, chemical abortions. But uh, the FDA uh, gave approval many years ago for mifepristone, the most commonly used drug uh, that has proven not to be overly safe. Of course, not for the baby, but for the mom either. Uh, even the FDA's own label says that maybe one in 25 women who take them will end up in the emergency room. And so uh, they'll be holding a, a hearing on that on the 26th of March. And uh, this could uh, greatly affects uh, how abortions are done in the U.S. There's still other uh, abortion pills out there. This by far has been the most commonly used one. And of course, this is something that we've talked about here on the show uh, numerous times uh, over the last uh, couple of years. And, and recently, uh, uh, these drugs are not good for women. And so um, we will uh, wait and see um, how the Supreme Court um, decides this case. Politico saying that it's it's the most significant uh, abortion case since uh, Dobbs back in, in 2022 that overturned Roe v. Wade. Yeah, and just a reminder, this not like popping an aspirin, uh, the movie Unplanned, uh, the story of Abby Johnson, who is a frequent guest here, who changed sides from running an abortion clinic to joining the pro-life movement, helping others to get out of the abortion business, uh, portrayed uh, in a very tough but realistic way of uh, the effect on the woman as well as the baby with the abortion pill. Well, uh, let's shift gears. Uh, today here in the U.S. is a National Croissant Day. Or how is it said, Sarah? Oui, monsieur, it is a croissant. Croissant. 
I love it. I love it. Don't you love let's, the accent, Glenn? Let's hear more about this here. Absolutely. It's National Croissant Day, a dough layered with butter, then folded three times to create a flaky pastry. That folding is the key. It magically makes 81 layers required for a proper croissant. They're French, but with deep roots in Austria, first created in France in 1915. So celebrate today. Hit up a bakery and enjoy a croissant. Repeat if necessary. I'm Bree Tennis. Oh, that sounds good. And here I am, you guys. We got the French accent going. John's pretty good with the Spanish accent, and I've just got my Minnesota accent. Si, senor. Oh, si croissant entre nos hautes, un grand croissant. Pardon, sorry. In in English, sorry. I keep forgetting that I am speaking in another language for you. Is this? I said this croissant is a work of art, a great classic. You're bringing me back to great memories of eating croissants on the Champs-Élysées on the way to the uh, Tour Eiffel. This is a marvelous thing to do. If you have not done it, please try today. Un croissante. With a little how cheese about, and eggs. How about French fries? I can say French fries. I do not count? say this. This is a mockery of our, my traditions. <laughs> Sarah, you, you could have been an actress. Oh, well, there is still time in the future. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, yes, I hope uh, Peter Atkinson is listening because if he's looking for a French voice, I think we found one. In the small bits, I am very good, Peter. Please think of me. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right. Thank you. Uh, how, how, do you how do you say thank you in French? I forget. Yeah, merci. 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 Merci beaucoup. Merci beaucoup. Bonjour, guys. Bonjour. Thanks. Thanks, uh, Glenn and uh, Sarah. We uh, start every hour, as we always do, always in prayer. First things first, giving thanks to our Lord for all of the many blessings. We have so much to be grateful for. We always remember that every single day is a gift. Every day is a blessing. And we always pray here on Morning Air through the intercession of our Blessed Mother Mary, the Mother of God. We continue to pray especially for peace in the world, in the Middle East, and in Ukraine. This morning, we, we continue praying for our sister in the Lord, Morning Air regular contributor Kendra Von Esch, whose husband Jeff died uh, at age 60 unexpectedly this past Saturday. Um, we pray for the repose of Jeff's soul and for Kendra and her family. May he rest in peace. I had a chance to speak to Kendra last night and uh, assured her that all of our prayers are with her and her family during this very uh, difficult time. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, Patroness of the Americas, Patroness of the Unborn, and of Relevant Radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of Relevant Radio, pray for us. And we always invoke the Holy Spirit every morning here on the show when we pray, Come, Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. And on Tuesdays, I always think about our guardian angels. Always take a moment to remind you to pray to your guardian angel. Even though we don't see these heavenly companions, 
I can assure you they are with us. Uh, They're watching over us. And if we ask them for help, they hear us. So uh, let's remember our guardian angels today in a special way. Our power scripture from the playbook of life is from 1 Timothy 2, 1 and 2. The Apostle St. Paul writes, First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all men, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life, godly and respectful in every way. The Apostle St. Paul reminds us to pray for our leaders, to pray for our government, to pray for our president, and to pray for Congress. Our nation needs prayer, and our Lord Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, more than ever before. We need to pray for our president, our leaders, and our government because we're still one nation under God. We always pray with great confidence, that powerful prayer from the Chapel of Divine Mercy that Drew and Maggie pray every afternoon. Jesus, I trust in you. You can find us on social media, our handle on X, formerly Twitter, at Morning Air Show, as well as on Facebook. We need to take a short break when Morning Air continues. Catholic evangelist and Morning Air contributor Martha Fernandez-Sardina, the founder of RememberYouAreLoved.com, will be with us to uh, discuss the Feast of the Presentation of the Lord. So stay with us. There is much more to come as uh, this Tuesday edition of Morning Air continues here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. and news in the morning. Jump into the conversation. Call 888-914-9149. Todo aquel que piensa que la vida es desigual tiene que saber que no es así que la vida es una hermosura I'm really enjoying that. Welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn and Sarah. Thanks so much for uh, tuning in on this Tuesday morning here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. Again, our toll-free line, if you want to be part of the conversation, is 888 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters. And now let's talk about love. Love is everywhere. This coming Friday, February 2nd, we celebrate the Feast of the Presentation of the Lord in the Temple. And with it, more than one holy mystery or event in the life of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Joining us live this morning is our resident loveologist and regular contributor, Martha Fernandez-Sardina, to unpack for us the richness of this great feast as uh, we focus on the, the presentation of love as we strive to love more in 24. Martha is an international bilingual speaker, the former director for evangelization for the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C. and San Antonio, and she's also the founder of RememberYouAreLoved.com. Good morning, Martha. Thanks so much for joining us. It's great to be with you on another uh, Tuesday. 
Good morning, John. Great to be with you as well. I got to tell you, Martha, it's it's a little bit sad. Uh, we're, we're, we're talking about uh, the events coming up on uh, February 2nd, and that means it's the traditional end of the Christmas uh, season. Uh, in Rome, they're taking down all the, the trees and nativity scenes, and uh, even here at Relevant Radio, we're taking them down this coming Friday. I know, both you and I, because I'm thinking to myself, there goes that little nativity set over there, the other one you have over here. I still even have a few Christmas uh, decorations and cards on display here. So, But we will get into another great season pretty soon. For sure. We made it uh, close. Uh, we took them down over the weekend. So we're, we're back to ordinary time at, in the Morales uh, household. All right, uh, Martha, tell us, uh, what are we celebrating on February 2nd? Well, that's the thing, too. You say it's kind of sad, but it's actually kind of joyful because it's a, it's a multi-tiered celebration that we have on Friday, uh, and it won't be a fast day. It will be a feast day. It's the Feast of the Presentation of the Lord. I like to call it the Presentation of the Love Lord. Uh, we see that uh, event in the life of Jesus in Luke 2, verses 22 through 40. Uh, it's the, also the Feast of the Purification of the Blessed Virgin Mary, both things happening. Uh, it's also called Candlemas, uh, a light of revelation to the Gentiles. It's Little Christmas, as you just said, the closing of the Christmas time, which is not exactly the Christmas season, but this more extended time, uh, because it's the 40th day since Christmas. So, uh, And also because... It's a Christmas theme. We have the baby Jesus reappearing, uh, even as we've already begun ordinary time. Uh, so it's also in some places called a feast of encounter, where the New Testament, represented by the baby Jesus, encounters the Old Testament, represented by Simeon and Anna, which are two biblical figures that I absolutely love, and I pray for their intercession every day at the end of the rosary. It's also, I would say, the feast of revelation, uh, the revelation to the world, much like Epiphany, was a revelation to the Gentiles. Here we see Jesus being presented to the world, as we'll see in a moment when we go through what Simeon uh, says in his prophetic utterances. And it's a revelation, in a sense also, John, uh, to Mary and Joseph concerning the child and the mother, uh, his passion and death and Mary's role in the plan of salvation uh, and her triumph, uh, the Immaculate Heart. When uh, Simeon says this uh, child um, it says to the amazement of the child of Jesus's uh, mother, Mary, and to Joseph, his, uh, his putative father, behold, this child is destined for the fall and rise of many in Israel to be a sign that will be contradicted and says to Mary, and you yourself, a sword will pierce. And then he goes back to Jesus so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Uh, by the way, I think I mentioned a moment ago that uh, we celebrate Candlemas in uh, the Latino culture and Hispanic culture in Spain and other places. It's called La Fiesta de la Candelaria uh, or of Nuestra Señora de la Candelaria. Candelaria being that name that has to do with the candle, meaning the representation of he who is the light of the nations, the light of the world, Jesus Christ. Um, and uh, it's, it's not related to to the old festival of uh, Lupercalia or Lupercal, which was an ancient uh, Roman uh, celebration between February 13th and 15th, in which uh, they um, observe the purification of the city and health and fertility. But no, we're celebrating that the light of the world, the light of the nations, Jesus Christ burst on the scene where Simeon and Anna saw them and, and spoke uh, prophetic words and, and that beautiful hymn uh, that we pray every day. 
uh, that uh, Simeon utters when he says, uh, you know, and I, I love this, John, he, he says, I, you know what, I could, I could just go, I'm ready to go. I could just go and die. And when he says to the Lord, now your servant, uh, to, you know, what, how does the, uh, the uh, hymn of uh, the canticle of Simeon says, uh, the nunc dimitis, we pray it every night at night prayer, nunc dimitis servum tuum domine, secundum verbum tuum in pace. Now let your servant go in peace for my own eyes have seen the salvation uh, your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all peoples, a light of revelation for the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. I so lo- I we're love celebrating little, a lot. <laughs> I love your Latin uh, touch there, Martha. Uh, thank you. <laughs> and don't forget, we're also celebrating Groundhog Day. Mm-hmm. The world does commemorating the guessing game as to what's going to happen, right? With Pucks at Tanny Phil. Yeah, we, we always have a little fun with it uh, that day uh, every year. Now, uh, you uh, spoke about the the feast of the presentation of the Lord, uh, and you referred to it as the presentation of the love Lord. Can you explain? Well, it's the feast uh, uh, also, as I say, in in the spirit of Christmas and and in the mystery of the incarnation, when love incarnate, Jesus Christ, is made manifest to Simeon and Anna and to all those to whom they spoke of the marvels of the Lord. So the love incarnate uh, burst onto the scene and and makes a a major love scene, Uh, not in the bad sense, but in the good sense. And, And that is the central message of salvation, of the incarnation and birth and the passion and death and the resurrection and ascension of our Lord, that God so, so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. And that goes with those words of Simeon, that he will be a stumbling block because when Jesus does come on the scene later, uh, 30 or so years later, as an adult, he says, not only 316, but he says in John 317, indeed, God did not send the son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. But verse 18, which we forget, those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not are condemned already, Jesus says, because they have not believed in the name of the only son of God. And then that is the judgment. And there I'm tying that in John, because he himself speaks of himself as being the light. And Jesus says in uh, John 3, 19, uh, and the judgment is this, that the light has come into the world and people love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. And verse 20, for all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light so that their deeds might not be exposed. And then the rest of us who want to come into the light, he refers to in verse 21, but those who do come into the light, what they, who, those who do what is true come to the light so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. And so there we see, John, that as baby Jesus burst onto the scene in, in what I call makes a love scene, the Lord of love, so that we might indeed, so that everyone in the whole world might recognize him as the light of the world, as the light of the nation, so that we might have the opportunity to choose salvation, to choose salvation rather than condemnation, and for each one of us to prepare the way of others, which is why we will hear in the reading, the first reading for Mass on Friday, February 2nd, the prophet Malachi uh, speaking, thus says the Lord God, lo, I'm I'm sending my messenger to prepare the way before you. And suddenly, a reference to the presentation, there will be, uh, there he will come to the temple, the Lord whom you seek and the messenger of the covenant whom you desire. So the Lord is both the message and the messenger, and we are to be the messengers of God's mercy, of love incarnate, 
uh, and, and present him not only in the temple, but everywhere we go outside the temple. That's why we're told at the end of mass, uh, mass is ended, go in peace, go to announce the good news, go to bring the good news, go and do what Simeon did, recognize the Messiah, go and do what Anna did, the prophetess who was there. Uh, it says, scripture says, I love this, it, Simeon came led by the Holy Spirit and he sees and he proclaims Jesus. And Anna was already in the temple because she, in her uh, widowhood, in her old age, was there always praying. And she proclaims in the Holy Spirit that Jesus is the Messiah. And so we too, John, need to recognize love incarnate. We need to recognize the light of the world. We need to recognize salvation is offered to all, though some will choose against it. And we, like Samuel and Anna and Mary and Joseph, need to present the love of Christ to the world. And uh, you mentioned the prophet Malachi. Uh, this is just one of the many, many prophecies from the Old Testament that are fulfilled in this little baby Jesus, uh, the light um, to all the, the nations. And uh, it's, it's, it's a reminder of uh, the, the, the reality that Jesus fulfills all of those prophecies from the Old Testament. And that's what we've been celebrating uh, for the last 40 days. Absolutely. And, and we see the beautiful way in which Mary and Joseph also, they fulfill not only the prophecies, but the commandments too, because we're celebrating the Feast of the Purification, though Our Lady was pure and inviolate and immaculate and all holy and ever virgin. So she had no need of purification. And yet they came to the temple and Joseph brings her. And so the same way today, we see that Mary brings Jesus to us. Joseph brings graces. He brings us closer to Mary and to Jesus. And uh, we can then be filled with the light of Christ and make that light known to the world. Martha, how, how are we to encounter this love incarnate and be made whole? Well, come into the light. Come to Jesus. Come to the light of Jesus. Don't hide in the darkness. Allow the Lord of love to purify you, to refine you, to ready your heart for his, for his coming and for the burning flame of love of his sacred heart, especially during this year of prayer or holy year of the sacred heart that the Vatican has announced. Um, I haven't heard a whole lot about it, but hopefully people are hearing about it. Uh, and we hear that in that first reading again from Malachi 3, uh, who will endure the day of his coming? Who shall stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire, like a fuller's lie. He will sit there refining and purifying, uh, like purifying silver. And he will purify the sons of Levi, refining them like gold, like silver, so that they might offer due sacrifice. And so if you and I want to offer our lives as a living sacrifice unto the Lord, as we hear in scripture, as we pray at mass, if we want to become one with Jesus, the Lord of love, come into the light. Bring all the dross, all the ugliness. Come as you are, but allow the Lord, beg the Lord to purify you like gold, like silver, so that you might live your purgatory here and not have to endure it later, and so that you might set, be set free. Um, because as uh, Jesus himself says in John 8, if the Son of God sets you free, you are free indeed, John eight thirty six. If you want to be free from sin, if you want to be free from darkness, if you want to be uh, free from bondage, come to Jesus, come into the light and, and allow him to, to really reveal himself, uh, the power, his power over death, as we hear in uh, Hebrews 2, and we'll, we will be hearing this reading on, on Friday on the Feast of the Presentation. Uh, we're dead in sin, 
and and we're under the domain of the devil. And people th- sometimes might wonder, why does she bring that up? It sounds so harsh. Well, I'm not the one bringing it up. It's Holy Scripture. It says that he came to destroy death, uh, the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who through fear of death are subject to slavery uh, all their lives. And so we're subjected to uh, the world, the flesh, and the devil. We're under the dominion of Satan unless and until uh, we're set free in the waters of baptism and in the renewal of our baptism every time we go to confession, every time we come to the Lord in prayer and fasting and penance, and we seek and receive the liberating uh, power of Christ. So how do we do that, John? Come to Jesus, encounter the chain remover, the prison releaser, the redeemer, the light of the nations, the glory of God's people, Israel, and come to him in prayer, sacred scripture, sacred tradition, the sacraments, personal prayer, Lexio Divina, communal prayer, uh, penance, and have your Simeon and Anna encounter and experience so that you might live so happy and be able to say like, Simeon, I, I'm good to go. I could just die right now. I'm so full of Jesus. Um, Martha, we've got uh, final moments here. And uh, uh, what would you say to somebody who might be listening? You know, you never know who's listening. There's people who come back to the faith after, you know, 20, 30 years by, because of something that they heard uh, here on Relevant Radio. What would you say to someone who, who's been living in, in great darkness and has not seen the light yet? Well, if you haven't been fully evangelized, seek that. Seek the gospel to permeate your being. If you haven't been fully catechized, learn from the church. Come to a Catholic church. Ask about it. Continue to listen to good Catholic programming, radio and television and podcasts and videos and movies and interviews. And pray. Pray for the gift of supernatural faith, hope, and love. And pray for the light of Christ to permeate you, to to come and fill your mind. And study the Catholic faith. Study the Word of God and sacred scripture in the Bible. Study the word of God orally transmitted in sacred tradition, what we've always believed and always taught and always handed down for 2,000 years, no novelties and inventions. Study the catechism of the church and and read some good and solid articles and blogs and, and books and talk to a good, solid, faithful, spiritual, saintly priest and ask about the OCIA, the Order of Christian Initiation of Adults or whatever sacraments you might be. Uh, lacking if you were already baptized uh, as a child. And and if it's darkness of depression, which sometimes people are in darkness of depression, John, uh, don't give in, don't give up, don't lose hope. Find at least one or two people who know you and love you and you can talk to and find professional help if necessary. None of us should live in darkness. Come to the light of the nations, Jesus Christ. Real quick, where can our listeners find you? Find me at rememberyouareloved.com and I'll post a couple of other thoughts for any who might be living in darkness. And uh, remember, you are loved. And so are you. Martha Fernandez Sardina, the founder of RememberYouAreLoved.com. We need to take a, a short pause when Morning Air continues. Our resident Catholic apologist, William Albrecht, will be with us to discuss the importance of Scripture and the Word of God for Catholics. So stay with us. We're headed down the stretch on this Tuesday edition of Morning Air here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. My heart was deaf to breathe into it Made me new before I knew it You love me back to life to You love me back You love me back to life Bringing the light of Christ to start your day This is Morning Air On Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app It is 
A good morning. Welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn and Sarah. Thanks so much for tuning in on this Tuesday morning here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. You can email us directly. It's morningair at relevantradio.com. Uh, you might want to jot down our number if you want to be part of the program. It's 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. Now, earlier this month, we celebrated Word of God Sunday, which is a day instituted by Pope Francis in 2019 in order to promote knowledge and love of Scripture and the risen Lord. Why is the Word of God so important to Catholics and other Christians, and how can we make reading and studying and praying the Bible a part of our everyday lives? The great scripture scholar, St. Jerome, who translated the Bible into Latin, famously once said, ignorance of scripture is ignorance of Christ. And in fact, his words are quoted in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Joining us live this morning is a longtime Morning Air contributor and our resident Catholic apologist, William Albrecht to talk about the importance of Scripture and the Word of God for Catholics. William is uh, an international speaker and debater and has participated in well over 70 live and moderate, moderated uh, debates. Uh, he runs a website called patristicpillars.com, which is dedicated to the early church fathers. And he's also the author of several books, including a complete history of the biblical canon in the Christian East and Latin West. Good morning, Brother William. Thanks so much for joining us once again. It's great to be with you to talk about one of our favorite topics, Scripture. I am thrilled to be with you, Brother. I am happy to talk about such a vitally important topic. And as you talked about it, the Word of God. Indeed, a lot of our evangelical friends at times think, well, do you all even read the Word of God? Do you love the Bible the way we do? And we're here to tell you that, yes, we love the Word of God. And I got to say, all Catholics do. We listen to it every time we go to Holy Mass. Just thrilled to be here with you today to talk about this, brother. For sure. Well, earlier um, here in this month of January, we celebrated uh, Word of God uh, Sunday, but the, the Word of God is important uh, for us all year round, not just uh, on the third Sunday of January. And as, as a former Protestant and as a Catholic convert, can you share with us uh, your, your thoughts on the importance of Scripture for us Catholics? Without a doubt. And to make a, one point very clear, we share in common with our evangelical friends <clears throat> the love of sacred scripture. And the incredible thing is, I've got to say, I think Catholics have a greater love for that because we have the full canon of scripture. What does that mean? That means that we have all of the books of the Bible, including several books, seven plus editions that our Protestant friends do not have in their Bible. So we truly do love, we extol the word of God, and we realize, brother, that the word of God teaches us about the promises of God, beginning in the Old Testament, promises for his people, and then the New Testament shows us these promises coming true in the arrival of our incarnate Lord and Savior, our incarnate God, our Messiah. We truly love the Word of God, and it is incredibly important. And hey, we hear it every time we go to Mass. That's the important thing to remember. Do you think that uh, we as Catholics still have a way to go uh, uh, to become even more familiar with the Bible and, and understand, uh, like like you mentioned, that the, the Bible is a Catholic, it's a Catholic book? Yeah, I think we do. 
And I think that at times we may not realize that, hey, our Bibles differ from our evangelical friends. They have shorter Bibles. Ours are thicker, ours, but it's for a very good reason. Ours are complete, meaning that from the very beginning when the church gathered in the early centuries to map out the list of books, we have Bibles that are identical to that, but we've got a way to go to realize, okay, well, the beauty of Scripture is this, and we need to really meditate upon that. And, you know, try to make it a part of our everyday life, even if it's only a portion of a chapter or a chapter here and there. I know that everybody does have a busy day, a busy life, but there's always time to soak in the Word of God. And indeed, we should not. Here's one thing that I realize a lot of Catholics have, brother. They're intimidated by the Bible, but you should not be because you need to realize first and foremost that the Bible is a Catholic book. It is indeed, and uh, the Bible has been described as love leathers from our Heavenly Father. So it's really about getting to know the Lord Himself in a more intimate way. I want to open up our phone lines. Uh, if you have a question or comment about uh, Scripture, about the Word of God and the importance of Scripture for Catholics, if you read uh, the Bible every day, we would love to hear from you. We're taking your calls. For Catholic Apologist William Albrecht at 888 that's 888-914-9149. I think it's important to uh, explain what exactly we believe uh, as Catholics about uh, the the Bible, about Scripture, uh, before we compare with what we have in common with our evangelical friends. Yes, without a doubt. And here's the important thing. A lot of our evangelical friends may not realize it, but it is official Catholic teaching that we believe the Holy Bible is inerrant. What does that mean? That means that it has no error at all. That is official Catholic teaching. It's been taught from the very beginning. We also believe that the Bible is profitable for teaching, for reproof, and to fill the man, and we mean woman or male, with all godliness. But here's another important thing, brother. We also know that the Bible cannot interpret itself, meaning we're not going to pop open the book of Romans or the book of Ephesians and immediately know everything that we're supposed to know there without what? Without an infallible interpreter. Our Lord set up a living, breathing, teaching church. So we've got the inerrant Bible, but we need to also have an infallible interpreter. That is why the Bible itself tells us that the pillar and foundation of truth is what? The church. And the church, as you know, brother, particularly in St. Peter, the successor to St. Peter, holds the keys of the kingdom of heaven. So we need the Bible, but we also need the church to tell us what the Bible is teaching us. And that is the method that our Lord set up. And that is the biblical method, brother. We also believe that the Bible is the inspired Word of God. It is God-breathed, written by the Holy Spirit uh, through mere men. Absolutely. That's the important thing. 2 Timothy 3, it is the inspired Word of God. And we have that incredibly important word there, that God-breathed, that means right there that it is inspired. It literally has the breath of God breathed into it, meaning under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, St. Paul, and all of these other incredibly holy men that walked and talked with the Lord 
that physically saw the bodily risen Lord, they were inspired by the Holy Ghost, and every jot and tittle that they wrote down is without error, even though many of them are written from their perspective and share different points of views, meaning maybe one gospel author focused on one particular thing while the other looked at his particular thing from his vantage view, the Bible is without error, brother. And uh, these are just some of the things that we hold in common with uh, our evangelical uh, brothers and sisters. And I think I just, I want to remind the folks that uh, the church has taught for, for centuries, and especially in the last uh, 150 years, you, you hear from Pope after Pope after Pope the importance of reading the Bible. In fact, in Catechism, um, uh, paragraph number 133, it says, quote, the church forcefully and specifically exhorts all the Christian faithful to learn the surpassing knowledge of Jesus Christ by frequent reading of the divine scriptures. Ignorance of the scriptures is ignorance of Christ. Uh, obviously quoting uh, St. Jerome there. So there's no doubt that, that the, the church wants uh, the, the children to learn the Bible. Without a doubt. What a great, great quote that you brought up there in the great and magnificent St. Jerome. <clears throat> and indeed, if you look at what Jerome had to say, not only Jerome, but the great St. Augustine, Augustine tells us that without the church, we would not know the scriptures. I've got to tell you, brother, everybody, if you don't own a good Catholic Bible, get one now. Because these are early saints, incredible figures. Those that remember, these great bishops, they are the reason we have the Bible today. They preserved ancient manuscripts. They helped translate the texts. And that is very true from Jerome. And indeed, we would not have the Bible today if it was not for the Catholic Church. We need to practice good methods of reading the scriptures. And I think that's the important thing because even the great, the great Pope St. John Paul II noticed, he said, if you want a relationship with God, you've got to read the scriptures. And then he made a great point, brother. He said that the Bible is not only for the scholars, but those need, people need to read it that want a relationship. They want a relationship with God. That is the important thing we need to realize. Where we part ways uh, with our evangelical brothers and sisters is uh, that uh, we we don't believe in the, the Protestant doctrine of uh, the Bible alone. It is not our rule of faith. As much love that we have uh, for uh, a Scripture, uh, is Scripture is not the final authority. Great point there, and that is an incredibly important point, because at times our evangelical friends get confused when we talk about the Word of God. Yes, you made a great point there. For Catholics, brother, the Word of God is not just confined to the written. Indeed, as the Bible tells us, the Word of God is both written and oral. In fact, in the Old and the New Testament, more often than not, when it talks about the Word of God, it is speaking about the orally spoken word. This is why we're clear about that the church is needed to interpret this. Anthony is joining us this morning uh, from Wisconsin. would like to get into uh, the discussion. Uh, welcome uh, to Morning Air. Anthony, you're on with William Albrecht. Hey, good morning. I know there's some different interpretations in the gospel about how many people uh, went to the tomb, so I'll just wondering how there could be um, the Bible without error, if there's different interpretations from, from each gospel. 
Yeah, what a great, great question. Now, let me be very clear here. This is not a different interpretation. Rather, as I mentioned earlier, you've got different authors noting different things from their particular perspective. For instance, we may read about one gospel author focusing on one thing much more than the other gospel author. But here's the important thing. None of them contradict one another. In fact, some of them focus on certain details that don't even appear in the other gospel account. So we need to realize these are living, breathing humans, and they are looking at it from their perspective and focusing on certain details that they think are the most important. So we don't have anything contradictory there. Rather, we have the gospel authors looking and focusing on certain details and reporting what they think to be the most important from their particular viewpoint. I hope that that helps. And Anthony, just one other thought. You know, it's kind of like, you know, when, when you have uh, a an accident, a traffic accident, and you get witnesses, and you talk to five different witnesses, and might have five different points of view, five different angles that they saw it from. So they're all telling the truth from their own respective uh, perspective. Absolutely. All right. Um, thanks so, so much uh, for calling, Anthony. Appreciate the call. Um, William, we're uh, down the stretch here. Final moments. Uh, could you give us some practical uh, tips of how we can uh, uh, really make reading Scripture a part of our everyday life, reading the Bible a little bit every single day? Absolutely. I think a beautiful method would be trying to practice exactly what the early church fathers did, practice methods of reading the Bible through the lens of the early church or the lens of the church period, because you stop and you think, well, what did Augustine say? That without the church, we wouldn't know the scriptures. And Jerome said virtually the very same thing. I would practice reading a little bit of scripture every day. And here's another great method for everybody out there. This is probably the best one I can say. Listen to relevant radio as much as you can, because you're going to get a lot of the teachings of the scriptures, a lot of the teachings of the church. You're going to really get spiritually fed there. So listen to good Catholic radio and then read your Bible, practice reading it every day. And remember, I got to be very clear. You got to get to mass. If you are healthy and able to, you've got to get to mass. Absolutely. It's not either or, it's both. And we read the scriptures knowing that it is the word of God, but we also, as Catholics, receive our Lord, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Holy Eucharist. So uh, we've got uh, the the menu and we have the meal, as Scott Hahn describes it. Absolutely. And what a beautiful menu. What a beautiful meal. And indeed, that meal is our incarnate Lord and Savior. And if you want the Eucharist, the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord, you've got to get to Mass. That's the important thing. Practice reading the Bible through the lens of the early church fathers. They were taught and trained by the apostles that were taught and trained by our incarnate Lord and Savior. Brother William, as always, fascinating discussion. Really appreciate your perspective. Thanks again. Thank you for having me on. Look forward to being back with you. Uh, visit patristicpillars.com for much more. And that it was a, a Catholic apologist, William Albrecht, the author of The Complete History of the Biblical Canon in the Christian East and Latin West. Now it's time for another episode of Glenn Story Corner. Our story today is called What You Thought. You thought you were happily smiling at your child from a hard stadium seat or a hot, packed auditorium, but your child looked at your face and saw approval of him and joy in what he was doing. 
You thought you were just patting him on the back or on the head, just ruffling his hair, but your child cherished the warm, loving touch, and his heart was brightened. You thought you were reading a bedtime story with all the funny and scary voices, but your child enjoyed the fact you read every word even though he'd heard them a hundred times before. You thought you were letting your child help paint the house, even though the paint got kind of runny and drippy in places, but your child knew that you were working together as a family and felt a sense of accomplishment as a family. You thought you were singing silly songs or counting the cows on a long, boring trip, but your child learned it was fun being together no matter where you were. You thought you were spending a few minutes of your time by throwing a ball in the backyard or baking some cookies, but your child, who realized your time is precious, knew you were investing it in him. You thought you asked your child's opinion about something that wasn't too important, but your child thought you asked because his opinions and thoughts were important. You thought you were being a good host by inviting your child's friends in for a cool snack on a warm summer day, but your child knew that his friends were important to you, and you always welcomed them in your home. You thought the tears in your eyes went unnoticed when your child accomplished an important goal in his life, but your child knew that he was deeply embedded in your heart and you sensed his accomplishments. You thought the refrigerator was as good a place as any for hanging all the artwork and well-done papers that came home from school, but your child felt important when he came home from school each day with something to show you and tack it up in his personal hall of fame. You thought you gave your child some simple chore or job to do and told him well done with a smile when he did it, but your child learned responsibility and began to realize that he could tackle even tougher things. You thought you were helping a troubled, restless child get some sleep by fixing a cup of warm milk, but your child felt you were opening your heart around a kitchen table and making all the problems a lot smaller. You thought the vacation wasn't much of a success because the fish didn't bite and the sun didn't shine, but your child still remembers everything that happened and still laughs at all the funny parts. You thought you were just pointing out the words in the church hymn book with your child's finger as he tried to sing along, but your child learned that singing praises to God in worship was important. You thought you were just giving him a quick hug at that special moment or just because, but your child carried it with him for a long time because what you really said was, I'm proud of you, or I love you. You thought you were just giving him a little kiss on the cheek to tell him goodbye as he left for school, but your child felt warm and loved because he knew there'd be another one waiting for him when he got home. Come to think of it, there are a lot of times when parents really are misunderstood. Proverbs 22.6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. Powerful story corner for all the parents out there. Thanks so much, Glenn. Join Father Rocky and Maggie for the Family Rosary Across America with all your prayers and petitions live at 7 p.m. Central tonight and every night of the week here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. That'll do it for this uh, Tuesday, January 30th, 2024 edition of Morning Air. For Glenn Leverance, producer Sarah Tafoya, Gabby Burke, Young Thomas, our entire Morning Air team, I'm John Morales. Thanks so much for joining us. Let your light shine before all. God bless America. We'll see you Wednesday on the next Morning Air. The Patrick Medved Show is straight ahead.